401k advisors want to build a scalable practice, but aren't always sure what to do next. Welcome to Outcomes, the podcast designed to help advisors think, make decisions, and cast a vision to create a business for the future. Here's your host, Ross Marino, financial planner, author, speaker, and CEO of Advisor2x. Welcome to Outcomes, the podcast. Today, I'm joined by Tyrone Ross, CEO on Ramp Invest. Tyrone, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. This should be a lot of fun. I'm excited. You were recently named as one of the 20 people in our industry that is going to change the industry. So let's start off strong. What do you want to change? Lack of empathy. As a, a friend of mine said on a, on a podcast that I host is that in our business, we do a really good job of getting the numbers right and the people wrong. And I feel like that no matter where people are in America, uh, regardless of their zip code, they deserve access to quality financial education. And we failed at that. And if we're going to spend $17 billion on marketing financial services and less than 1% on education, I wish somebody would lie to me and tell me that's not on purpose. Um, but it is. But it, it is my responsibility to shine a light. Um, on people that lack, uh, people that are dispossessed, people that are marginalized, um, and simply, as I say, be the voice for the voiceless. So I have a responsibility every time I do this, or I'm on stage, or I'm doing something to speak on behalf of those people, because they're never heard. Um, so I feel like if we can have more empathy along with the brilliance and intelligence and networking and, and all of the affluence that we have in this business, we could be the industry that changes the country and I think that's going to happen. I agree with empathy. We have to be able to understand what the people are thinking, try to connect with how they're feeling. Uh, the idea of you don't understand until you walk in their shoes. I, I love the concept, but it also tells me I didn't walk in their shoes, so I'm not going to understand. Mm -hmm. uh, but I do have to try to mm -hmm. understand. So if I have empathy and now I know I need to do something, what I don't have, which I think is a challenge to the industry, is a business model or a revenue model. So how are we going to help these people when it doesn't fit into our traditional business model of financial services? Right, and, and that's where I start to get a little prickly because people that are in need or those that are suffering right now in this country or just simply need access, I don't think they fit into a business model or they fit into a revenue model. They just need help. And as we get more people exposed to financial services, these are more people that we can help. We just have to make sure that people have a boots with those straps, those proverbial straps, you want them to pull up, and then we'll have more people to serve. And I think this has been my frustration is that I've had these conversations all the time. It's like, well, Tyrone, that doesn't fit into our OKRs and our KPIs, and how do we track it? I don't care about tracking it. I care about getting proximate to the people and giving them what they need. There's enough surplus. Everyone has enough surplus in this business to make sure that they can earmark a half a percent of whatever that it goes to making sure that we bridge the digital divide. So that's going to take a while. But if we just invest now, there'll be a whole generation of clients that our business could then work with, hire, inspire, and so on and so forth. So as I'm listening to you, I'm thinking, I'm not going to give up on the revenue model, right. because if there is a way to fit people who aren't traditional clients into a business or revenue model, that is going to be win-win for everybody. 
Right. Now, it may not be optimal, but it could be progress and it could be significant progress. Five years ago, I don't think I would have believed what I'm about to say. But what I can say today is with technology, with financial wellness and the broad employer sponsored plans out there, there's now an opportunity within the current business model to educate and help people of all different income levels. Now, they're employed, so there's a catch, right? It's not optimal. So we're talking about the people that have jobs, but whether they're going to be minimum wage or whether they're making half a million dollars a year, if they work somewhere that has a defined contribution plan and has financial wellness and leverages technology, we can reach a large number of people, a percentage of people that do not fit into our financial planning model. And now we can actually meet them where they're at and help them situationally. Do you think that the tide is shifting where we're not now able to reach the masses that way? Oh, no, I, I, I agree with you there. I think there, there's two things that need to be, I, I think I need to have clarity on. One is I say this not to change minds, but to open minds, right? Just to get people to think bigger, think our industry, get our industry to think bigger. That's the first thing. Second thing is the type of people I'm talking about don't understand a word you just said. Right. I'm talking about I'm talking about people who live in complete squalor. Those are the people that I have to fight for that I'm speaking on behalf of the working poor. Right. The 45 million working poor in America before COVID. Absolutely right. Right. The altruists of the world, all these other companies that are working to serve these people to make it easier for financial advisors to reach them. I'm with you 100 percent. They deserve it as well. I'm talking about the people who don't even, the, the, the half of the people in the South Bronx who don't have a bank account, the 70% of black communities that don't have a bank branch, the people that live in supermarket deserts, those are the people I'm talking about, right? So I do think there needs to be a distinction here, but I agree with you 100%. Financial advice has never been more accessible. It's never been cheaper. It's never, it's, it's never been more, again, I, 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 cringe to use the word diverse, so I say more representative and equal. So I think there, there are now people who can get in touch with someone who looks, walk, talks, and act like them. That has never been the case where you got to have a membership at the country club to get help. And younger financial advisors are on social media. They are, they are proud of who they are, their sexuality, their background, their education. So yeah, I think it's more broad than ever. The blind spot, though, is the class issue that we have in this country. And there's a forgotten uh, few that we have to, again, that's who I'm fighting for. So how am I going to do that? I love the sound of it. How do I do that? Proximity. There's the power of proximity, again, along with the, 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 the power of giving is exponential. It, it's incalculable. So the proximity does two things or exposure or access, whatever word we use in this week, but I like proximity. If I am then in tune or close to your condition, where you struggle, where you live, I just need to see it. Right. And I, and I, I use this example all the time. I've been all over the country in some of the poorest areas to speak to kids, to people in general. I have never seen poverty like I saw in Detroit. When you've seen these things like I have, you leave you destroyed about how we failed. And it's just a vision. If I see it, I can be it. 
right? And we just don't provide the vision. So as you, and, and I, well, people are, well, Tyrone, what can I do? Well, here's what you do. Every, every person deserves to put their kids in the best schools, have the biggest, I'm all for capitalism. Make what you can make America set up that way. But when you get what you get and you want and you have extra, be sure to go on the other side of town, just drive through and look at what the other kids don't get that your kids do. And ask yourself, could I live here? Could I live here for five days or five hours? And then you just, you drive away and you go back to the comfort of your own home and go, all right, I'm blessed, I'm privileged. I need to help someone or somebody get out of that situation. Money doesn't solve all the problems but boy, can it fix a lot of them. Mm -hmm. and, and a lot of this out there, that's going to be the challenge. So let's say I have a surplus. I do have a surplus, right? Let's say I drive downtown in my town and I see those areas and I want to do something about it. I think there's a challenge for a lot of people just trying to figure out where do I direct the money? And I think the hindrance for many people is when you're more successful, you're higher income, there's something in your brain that is always there, and it's ROI. Yes. Return on investment, right? We don't just mm -hmm. give money. And I'm not saying it from a financial standpoint. I'm saying if I'm going to write a check to help out somewhere, I want to know that it's actually making an impact. So I wonder if maybe there's a challenge of just getting the money to some of these programs to help out. Maybe it's not just the understanding, but they're really not sure who to trust that will actually steward that money and make an impact with it. Do you think there's an organizational challenge? One million percent. I think you hit the nail on the head. And this is why I wish everybody in America that has power, privilege, and prestige were raised by Carol Ross. Because my mother always says, you give and you mind your business. It is not your responsibility to worry about what that money does or what they do with it or how it's done. You give because it is the right thing to do. After you give, you wash your hands of it, you turn your back and mind your business. That part of it, I think, is what's missing here. And to your point, yes, if I am endowing a school, I want to see results. I want to know that now there are you know, you have five graduates. How do we get from five to 10? I definitely understand that. And that is how you and others are super successful because there's a goal, there's metrics to get there and you do that. Folks like myself that lack the intelligence but just have that emotional purity and, and, and desire to want to help, I'm not a numbers person. That's why I'm bad in those meetings. I'm like, let's just go, right? And, and I have to be pulled to center by those people, which is why I'm not part of any committees with this. I do it myself because I can't, I can't get caught up on that. I just know the need. But to your point, you nailed it. And I think that's where we have to get, and this is the perfect example. As we look at our country now and we want to move forward and we want to help, we do need, oh, I hate this word, diverse, but we need representative, inclusive rooms for this reason. Not for the color and to hit quotas. That's dumb. We failed at that anyway. We need representation of people that say, all right, Tyrone's our big mouth, passionate guy who's not going to shut up. Every time we come in here, he's going to keep bringing up that school that doesn't have access to Wi-Fi. And then you're going to have somebody on the other side of the table says, okay, well, we have X amount of dollars that can go to this, but we need to be able to demonstrate this. So this way we have a thousand now, but we can come back to the school next year with 2000. So you've got to have all these different people in the room, different perspectives, representatives that have equal voices 
to say, all right, now, and you got that third person to say, all right, I'm the mediator here, right? We need a little bit of his passion. We need a little bit of the purpose. We need a little bit of the data to put that together. So I do think that is a big issue. There is a balance there, but I, I love that you brought that up because there, there does need to be some structure on giving and, and some people just want to be able to see that. And if we are going to have effective giving, I think that needs to be provided. Yeah, I think that's, that's well said as well. And that's going to be part of the challenge is we want to see what's on the other end. Um, I've been yeah. involved with nonprofits, founded one, uh, went to Haiti, saw the work that was done. The proximity got down to face-to-face. -to -face. It was powerful. Uh, I, yeah. I've often joked that in the, the team that I went to Haiti with knows this. Within five, maybe seven minutes on the ground in Haiti, driving from the airport, I, I was done felt like I got it. That country, when they said it was broken, I had the light bulb moment of, it's not broken. It never worked. They, they need to be built up. So it's not, what do you need to fix in Haiti? You have to build it up. But once you see it, you get it. And I literally felt it was five, six minutes and, and even joked with them, of, I could actually go home now. I'm like, I got it. Yeah. <laughs> right? so the yeah, yeah. They didn't let me go home, uh, but it, it worked out okay. The same, I think, would happen here in the U.S. You go to an area and you're going to see that it's not just I need to fix this or fix that. There's a systemic issue and it's a yes. challenge. And if I give $100, I might feel good. If I give 10000 show me that it's actually going to make an impact and change the world. And that's the yes. ROI that the big, that the big donors are, are looking for. And you know, I think that's part of it. Are you ready? Let's completely shift gears. Bitcoin, digital currency, 401k plans. Is it going to happen? I think so. I think the only, the missing link is a Bitcoin ETF. I think once we get a Bitcoin ETF, I think you'll just start to those that, you know, the, the ERISA laws and all that other stuff, they'll feel more comfortable around Bitcoin because somebody else is taking all of the issues <laughs> away from them in terms of custody and, you know, transfer agents and prime brokerage and things like that. We're still building up that infrastructure. Um, I'm on the record. I hate the idea of a Bitcoin ETF because I'm a Bitcoin purist, but I get it, right? We'll get a Bitcoin ETF. The price will go up. Wall Street will make money. Everybody will be happy. But um, I think it will happen at some point. You're able to, there's some, it, albeit clunky right now, you can access Bitcoin and put it in your IRA. But I do think we get to the point where you could put it in a 401k once we get an ETF. It'll be interesting to see how that develops. I, I look at it and when I see how that moves on a chart, let's say, to me, it doesn't move like a currency or a bond. It's, it's a freestanding product. It's something yeah. that you know, has volatility to it. So yes, it's a currency. I get that. It can be used as a currency. But man, that thing can go way up and way down. And uh, some, some traders are really happy about Bitcoin. They're, they're, <laughs> making, they're making their living yeah. off of Bitcoin, aren't they? Absolutely. It's highly speculative right now. And, and that's and, and that's just it. It's, it's more of a venture type of investment um, as opposed to, I think, the digital gold narrative, the store value narrative. It'll grow into that. But right now it's speculative, right? And, and, and that's the volatility is decreasing a bit. But and then there's short term correlation with the markets, you know, the, the equity market. Long term correlation is not there. So you get that non-correlated piece. Risk adjusted returns over five and 10 years aren't even close to anything else. Um, so the, the risk return profile, when you look at a small allocation, they're saying the optimal allocation in a portfolio is somewhere between four and 5%, sharp ratio, 
um, you know, versus everything else tends to improve. So, yeah, it, it's, it's in the conversation as it should be, but I think a lot of it has to be on what is the goal, what are you using, you know, you're putting it in a portfolio for, and then again, the makeup of the person that actually has an interest. I think for younger clients, they're, they're growing up with this. It's, it's, not, it's not even convincing them of internet money and all these other things. It's like, oh, all right, whatever. It makes sense, right? Money on the internet, hello, right? What took so long? So yeah, I think it, it's, but as far as that, as we know in our business, that retirement, right? Uh, defined contribution, you're saying that that's a big, big business, right? Really big piece of what we do. We get a Bitcoin ETF. I think it, it'll, you know, they'll start cooking with grease with, when it comes to putting it in retirement accounts. I journal in the morning, sometimes in the evening. I'm a big fan of thinking and writing. And one of the questions I recently started writing down after reading a book was, what did I have wrong? And there's a lot of value in thinking through something that I now believe to be true. But if I go back five years, 10 years, or whatever the time frame is, I may think, you know what? I didn't see it that way. I think it's the Mark Twain quote of, uh, you know, it's not what you don't know that hurts you. It's what you know that just ain't so. Mm-hmm. Probably should, I got to Google that. I think that was a Mark Twain one. So yeah. uh, let, let's go to Tyrone's world. What did you think you knew that just wasn't so? And now you see it differently because you realize I didn't quite have that right. Oh, man, that's a really good question. Well, if it, I guess if we narrow that down, if you're saying it just in terms of life or in our business, investing, anything? It's just something on your end that you say now, you know what? I think I got it right. I didn't see that correctly before. Oh, I, I think the, the thing for me that, that jumps out right away is that you are supposed to go all in on your gifts and talents. I was very wrong about that. Um, your gifts and talents have nothing to do with why you were born and your purpose on earth. I thought for 16 years that I was supposed to be an Olympian. And nothing else, right? God put me here, gave me the talent, he gave me the vision, he gave me everything. I was supposed to be that. I was very wrong. Um, those, your gifts and talents rarely align with your purpose. LeBron James was meant to be a basketball player, right? But those, those people are just, right, Usain Bolt, down, all the way down to his name, was meant to run. So my gift as a runner was a conduit for me to find my purpose. So I was very, very wrong about what I was put here to do. I thought I was put here to run, but I was put here to lead. And those gifts and talents were just given to me to help me illuminate the fact that I was a born leader, not a born runner. So it sounds like that your gifts and talents were part of the path to your purpose. Yes, 100%. Yep. I had to, I had to go through that continued failure and trial and tribulation and being built through fire and desire and all of those things to be able to endure what comes along with being able to open my mouth and fight for the people that I fight for. Cause if I wasn't built up, then it would be easy to be knocked off the path because it takes a lot of energy and uh, uh, you take a lot of arrows when you fight for those people. So I was built up through that. And again, which is why it's funny how the world works. My time as a probation officer, all of the things I did in the community, I was very familiar with that and how I grew up. And then now walking into financial services, right? Going through that journey as, a, as an athlete, you put all those together and now I'm in a position now where I can, I'm able to endure what it takes to fight for those people. Last question. So that's a great way to explain 
what you now see more clearly what you had wrong. And, and I love the fact that you've understood that your gifts and your talents are part of the path and the purpose eventually shows itself or it just evolves over time as we grow yeah. and mature and we see different things. And that's fantastic. So that you figured out, but I know you're a thinker, you're a passionate guy. You, you feel, you talk, you experience, you connect with a lot of people. You've certainly figured a lot of things out, but like anybody else who thinks there's some things you're still working on. What are you thinking about right now that maybe you're a little confused about, or you're just trying to figure out how is this going to play out or how does it make sense? There's been always a fight from the beginning of time for people at the bottom. No one has been able to clearly energize all parties involved to make that matter. I've been effective at shining a light there, but I need to find a way to truly be the one use my 86,400 seconds every day to be able to truly be the person to move those people simply into focus. I'm not going to pull them all into being Jeff Bezos, but to simply pull them into focus. So that's kind of, that's where I am. I'm in betwixt and between now. I'm, I'm right there. I feel like that's running for office. I don't want to be a politician. I feel like maybe it's, it's starting to align myself with political folks, getting being on the edge of politics and finance in some capacity. So I'm, I'm now trying to, as I've now, you know, climb myself to the top of the mountain with some people who are powerful and have money and having a network. I've solved that. I have people who want to align with my causes, but I just can't get over the hump of, all right, how do we make this something that is sustainable and build it? to keep those people in focus. So that's that I wake up every day and I try and figure out how to get more effective at doing that, which is why I do a million podcast interviews a month. Cause if I feel like I get enough megaphones, everybody will hear me, but I'll figure out a more uh, efficient way to do it soon. Great way to close. Love your purpose. Love your passion. I know you get a ton of requests and getting you on the calendar, Tyrone, this is no easy thing. I'm you. <laughs> so, thank you for sliding us in and making sure we could do an interview. Appreciate you sharing. Any final words for everybody out there? Absolutely. First of all, let me thank you for sharing, you know, your platform with me and your organization. I've said it before. What a bunch of incredible, thoughtful givers. It means so much to me that you guys have been advocate for my message. Last thing I will say is this. We are in November. There's a, a push that I'm you know, uh, in the midst of right now called No Layaway Vember, where we're going to Walmarts and places all across the country and paying off layaway for people. Uh, Walmarts are doing it as selective stores, Kmarts, all these different stores where we can help people pay off the things that they are struggling to pay to make sure kids have Christmas, to make sure people have appliances and food and clothes. Or if you're able, uh, go to walmart.com, go to their store locator and see if they're doing No Layaway. Um, you know, and if you are, you know, please walk into a Walmart and just say, Hey, can I pay off some layaway? And we had a really good push with it this year. And I would love to, to double the impact, um, you know, this year as well as we start to, cause our country not, needs it now more than ever. So, um, I'll end on that note, but it's just super grateful for you. And, and I would encourage everybody to, to, to be a thoughtful giver, um, as, as we go into the holiday season. Tyrone Ross, CEO of On Ramp Invest. Thanks for being with us. I appreciate you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Outcomes. Subscribe now to be notified when new episodes become available.
The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the guest and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of Advisor 2X. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional investing advice. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service providers with any questions you may have regarding your investment planning.